0: Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. This is Joel. He is our super regional leader in the vineyard. And I was floored when just after two weeks of being in the vineyard, he was like, hey, you want me to come preach, teach at your church? I was like, absolutely, we would love that. So um, Joel is one of three super regional leaders. He's over three regions in the U.S., which is over 140 churches that he's here to encourage, to mentor, to when we have problems, I can be like Joel, I've got this problem. He's like, I have all the solutions for you, Dan. Um, <laughs> uh, just hopefully that'll happen someday in the future. Um, so we're just so excited to have you here, Joel. Um, how long have you been pastoring? Uh,
1: pastoring, golly, probably 28 years. I was t- the last 24 was at Lancaster Vineyard, a church we yeah. planted in Ohio.
0: And then he was also. Uh, Um, a pastor in a small town church just like ours so Mm -hmm. he knows what it's like to be here so thanks for being here joel can i pray for for you real? absolutely so jesus we just ask you to come speak through joel Mm -hmm. pray that uh, his words will be your words and Mm -hmm. we're we're open to what you have to say to us today so we just thank you for bringing joel to us today we love you Amen. amen amen
1: It is good to be here. I love small town churches and uh, my first church plant was in a town of 5,000 people surrounded by cornfields and so uh, this feels vaguely familiar. Um, So uh, this is great and you all have great space. Uh, I was, you know, uh, Greg and I went on a bike ride yesterday and came through here and uh, like a pedal bike, like it, you know, I mean it had electric motor so we had a little help, but uh, uh, we actually exercise which is amazing and so but we passed here and just to see the place and you have great location and and then to walk in today and and the way you greeted everybody and just made me feel welcome you all have a good thing going here so and then you have great pastors i mean dan and liz aren't, aren't they great like i mean incredible um i got to meet liz a little bit at the uh regional gathering back in june and then to be able to meet dan a couple days ago and get to hang out with him and so you all are blessed to have them, and of course, uh, I would say this because I've been friends with them for like 34 years. You are blessed to have Greg and Jeanette Elliott as a part of your church, and uh, so uh, Greg was kind of a mentor because I was in high school, he was in college, and then he did uh, some youth stuff. It was like a youth sponsor in our youth group, and he ran a college career class, he and Jeanette, and then uh, we became good friends after I got out of high school and then have remained Friends ever since, even long distance, as he's always off on some university teaching people smart things. And so, I've uh, had a long distance relationship. So, good to be here. Real quick, I just uh, show you my picture of my family. I think we have a slide, so we'll we'll do a slide of my family. This is from June, so I'm, I'm the one in the red. Um, my son Jesse, all the way to the right, he's 22, he's married, lives in Hilton Head. My son Luke, he just graduated from Air Force Boot Camp, and he is in Alaska, full-time with the Air National Guard in Alaska. So we we tell ourselves we were good parents, but one moved to South Carolina and one moved to Alaska, so I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> that's Christy next to Luke, uh, my wife of 30 years, and, uh, and then Emmy, our senior. Uh, she's 17 and uh, hopes to be a nurse and a pastor. So uh, that's, a, that's our family. And uh, like I said, we have been in Lancaster, Ohio for 24 years. We moved from that small-town church plant I was a part of, and it remained up there. And had a pastor, and then I moved down to my home county in Planton, in Lancaster, and up until January 2nd, that's what I was doing, and then I took this job. Essentially, probably the easiest way to say what I do is, you know, I'm pastoring pastors, I'm trying to create systems of care within the vineyard to, to care for, for the pastors. I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not, but like pastoring and church work, it, it's hard work, like, uh, it's hard, and then if it's hard, like the last two and a half years have been even harder. I mean, it's been crazy. So to be able to provide systems of care is kind of the goal of of what I am doing. Well, it's so cool that you all are part of the Vineyard family, and you've recently adopted in, and so it it was neat to see uh, even your sign change. You know, I saw the picture with, like, I think you, like, were covering up part of the sign, right? You had, like, a reveal or something. And so it's just neat to see you all part, and I know you've had those values since your inception and then now to be kind of an official part of the family. Now you know families have have family lingo, right? Does, does your like is your family like? I mean, maybe your church family already does, but just like your your family you live with, do you guys have like insider language ever? Do you ever have insider language? Like, there's little phrases that just mean something to your family. Like, Emmy and I, uh, my daughter, there, we're like the the uh, same personality. Uh, luckily, she looks like her mom, um, but. Uh, Uh, Same personality, and we love, like, my my spiritual, You kind of like, or not my spiritual, my love language is like picking on people, it's like belittling people, and so we love to annoy Christy, and we know we've hit, like, the edge right before it's going to get bad, like, our insider language is like Christy's chin kind of juts out, and then now kind of the thing, she said this once and was serious, now she says it just when she's annoyed to give us the cue, but she's usually laughing, our insider language is like, shut up. Up. Except when Christy does it, her chin's out and it's whispered and it's enunciated. Shut. Uh, that's like the language, like we're she's still laughing and she's having fun, but we've just about crossed the line where she's gonna be really mad, right? So families, you have little phrases you say in your family all the time. Now, as a vineyard, we have we've had it, we have family language, right? Like we have some we have some language. I'm assuming you know so I know you're doing like a vineyard family DNA series, and a lot of you have vineyard backgrounds. So does anybody like just think of phrases and shout them out to me, help me out here. Uh, just some insider language or family lingo. Like, what are some phrases? of everybody the vineyard everybody gets to play somebody else that's great with a limp. Pro- yes 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 profit with a limp you want to lead with a limp you want to profit with a limp? anybody else getting wrecked. getting wrecked there's one yeah I haven't thought about that I've asked this question a couple times and, and that's the first time somebody said getting <laughs> wrecked some of the people are like what's that mean <laughs> well stick around and find out um uh, somebody else anybody else Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, right? Faith is spelled risk. You actually have to try, you actually have to do something. So we have these things. One of my favorites, and, and I don't know if it's lingo, but it's a phrase, and it's power evangelism. And one of the reasons I like the phrase power evangelism is because, honestly, if you can add anything to evangelism to make it sound better, I'm, I'm for. Like, you ever notice that? Like, you do a class on evangelism, you might you might pack the classroom. If you say, hey, we're going to meet Tuesday at 7 and go do evangelism, like, I'm not even sure the teacher shows up half the time, you know? So, so if you can add something. So power evangelism is this idea that we we can, we can should um, do relational evangelism. We should serve people and do servant evangelism. We should do kind of a, a rationalistic way of evangelizing people. We should obviously use the scriptures. But a power evangelism is also that there's a place for, for doing evangelism in a very powerful way where the supernatural power of God shows up And people know Jesus is real just because he's touched their lives. So I like that phrase. That's one of our phrases. Now there's another phrase, that I'm going to couple with it. That's naturally supernatural. And that's a phrase that's been around the vineyard for, golly, probably 40 years. And so this idea of naturally supernatural is that you can can actually, uh, like, be a part of God's mission on the earth and be a part of his supernatural moves and yet do it in a way that's natural. Like you can you can do it at the grocery store, you can pray for somebody, you can talk to a co-worker in such a way, and have like a, a prophetic encouraging word, and it doesn't have to be hokey. Like you can actually do it naturally supernatural ways. And I think if you think about evangelism, and then you think like naturally supernatural, like oftentimes I've not seen evangelism done in great naturally supernatural ways. You ever you ever notice, like, I've, I've, maybe some of you have come to faith in a time where some a friend led you to Jesus, and I don't know, if, if you can remember before you were a believer, so often, like, people's evangelistic methods aren't very natural. and They're awkward, right? Or if you've ever tried to share your faith, it can be awkward, right? When I was planting the church, I worked at this, uh, at Souders Furniture Factory, and um, one it was third shift, and one night, one of the guys that I worked with said, hey, I want everybody to meet at break time at the, like it was like an architectural drafting table, this big table, and he says, let's meet around the table, I got something to share, and I'm like, oh, okay. So we all gather around the table, and uh, he says, guys, I want to tell you about, your, about my faith. So he pulls out like this, it looked like a road map. Now, for those of you like 40 and under, road maps are like, <laughs> think of it like, GPS, but on paper, like, I mean, it had lines, and you would fall, okay, so he pulls this, like, roadmap thing out, lays it on the table, and, uh, and when he opens, it, I thought, oh, this is not going to be good, so, like, over here is the fires of hell, and over here is heaven, and there's a road, and there's a cross, and he commences to tell everybody the gospel story, and he says, hey, I've accepted Jesus, I'm going here, you guys haven't accepted Jesus, you're going here, and does anybody want to give their life to Christ? It's like <laughs> nobody gave their life to Christ. Like souls saved, zero souls permanently hardened to the gospel, five. You know, what I mean, like it was just it was bad. Um, that's not very naturally uh, supernatural, and it wasn't a great evangelistic uh, method. You know, now now here's the thing: when you experience that kind of evangelism, or when people talk about evangelism, or being naturally supernatural, like there's this there's this rub that. Like, you, you, on the one hand, you're like, oh, I don't know, This it seems hard, it's awkward, it's weird, am I going to look weird? You know, I've seen other people do it weird. There's this rub because we all know, like Jesus said, that we're supposed to share our faith, like the prime directive of when Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say, follow me and I'll make your marriage better or I'll increase your bank account or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't even say, follow me and I'll make you emotionally well. I mean, I think some of those things can happen, obviously, but... Do you remember what he said? He said, follow me, and I'll show you how to help other people follow me. Like, follow me. He said this to fishermen, right? Follow me, and I'll help you catch people. Like, So this prime directive is to share our faith, and, and so often when he does that, and when he models it, when he gives his mission statement, say in like a, a Luke 4, there's a naturally supernatural component to that of actually, you know, doing evangelism, sharing our faith under the power of God. Like, he says things like helping the blind to see, releasing people who are under oppression, that they could be set free from demonic oppression, or helping the lame to walk, or feeding the poor, he says, like uh, doing justice and look for. So like, these are all like supernatural things, and so like, how could we actually do that? That's the question I want to say. It's like, how could we be a naturally supernatural people? And we we'll, we'll use evangelism as kind of a model for that. So how could we, how could we be a naturally supernatural people? If you have your Bibles... Um, whether you have the analog paper version or, or your app, uh, did, would you go to that? And if you're new, you just look at the table of contents and you can find the book of Acts. That's where I'd like you to turn. Or if you have a paper Bible, you turn it, look in the beginning and there's a table of contents there. But scroll down to Acts and you can go to Acts chapter 3. We will eventually get there. We won't go there right now. But... Um, we're going to look at the book of Acts and the story in Acts chapter 3 and actually answer the question, how could we be a naturally supernatural people? Um, just to catch up to speed where we're at in, in this passage... In Acts three, by now the church is like grown. Uh, So in Acts one, they're they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. In Acts two, they're praying, and a group of 120 people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, They they bust out of a room, they begin to preach, and thousands come to know Jesus. Like 3,000 are baptized, and the church continues to grow. And we're not sure Acts three where it where it occurs. It might be three months, six months, maybe a year after the events of Pentecost, but We find Peter and John doing what good Jews would do. They're they're still seeing themselves as Jews. They're just seeing themselves as Jews who believe that the Messiah is Jesus, and they're going to the temple like good Jews would to regularly pray at the hours of prayer, and so we're going to join them on their way to prayer, and I'll show a picture uh, real quick of the temple, and so uh, just to help you get an idea, so this would be like the temple mount, and so... The story we're going to see is they walk through the outer court or the outer walls. They're making their way to the temple, and they're at this place called the Beautiful Gate or the gate called Beautiful. And so the way the temple worked is, is like you could enter into this big court, and everybody was welcome, and like the the Gentiles could be even in that bigger court, the tan portion. But then when you got to the the gate called Beautiful, there would be a sign. It would even say, if you're a Gentile— Enter uh, under the penalty of death. So, like, they're not allowed in. And then there's these courts that they keep getting closer and closer to the Holy of Holies. Peter and John are going through the gate called Beautiful in order to pray on the inside of the the temple um, grounds. And that's where we're going to join the story. So, look at Acts 3, verses 1 through 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he uh, was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now just notice uh, that this book is written by Luke. Luke wrote Luke and Acts. He's a physician. He also appears to be a historian. He gives us all kinds of details of the time of the prayer service that they were going to the location of the story he tells us about the beggar that he had a birth defect that he had been he had been this way uh, his whole life uh, Later on we're going to see he gives some great details when a, when a miracle happens uh, to the man and probably one thing that's important to understand the story and even kind of the impact of the story is just how begging works now this this actually still happens in, in other parts of the world like Begging can be, uh, to some degree, a, a bit of a career in certain places. Like, for instance, in India, a thousand beggars got together once and they, they went to the picket lines. Like, they actually held a strike because they, they wanted better housing and food, you know? Um, in some places in the world where begging happens, it's like you pay to have a certain prime spot to be able to beg from, and because you know a lot of people are gonna be there and that's, you would get some money. Sometimes, obviously, beggars are kind of trafficked in the way that they're, especially if they have physical defects, they're planted somewhere, and they have to give a cut to somebody that has put them there uh, when, they, when they get their money. To be at the temple gate called Beautiful would be a prime place because people have money with them when they go into the temple. There's temple taxes, there's offering, there's different things they're going to have to pay. And so this guy most likely had been at this prominent space many years. And there's a real good shot that Peter and John, there's a real good shot, even Jesus in his lifetime, that he, they had all passed this man many, many times. And yet something different is going to happen today. Like if you would see this beggar, Peter and John, or anybody in the temple would have seen this guy somewhere else, they would have known, oh, that's the beggar that's always at the gate. Like he's always there every day. That's like his spot. Well, we're going to see that today something different happens to this man. Take a look at Acts 3, verses 4 through 11. Peter looked straight at him, straight at the the beggar, as did John. That's a thing, isn't it? I mean, to look right at a beggar? Like, I don't know about you, do you ever like leave the grocery store and there's people like selling something? you go to Costco or Sam's Club, and there's always like the direct TV person or the cell phone per Like, you don't make eye contact, right? Because, like, you make eye contact and you're hooked. Like, you're going to have, oh, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy with myself. Uh, do you want to save money? No, I actually don't. I, I like paying more. I mean, that, that's always, they never have an answer to that one, by the way. If you ever want to do that, like, anybody ever doing multi level stuff with you, too, that's another answer. Do you want to make more money and have more time with your family? No. No, I don't want any more money. And honestly, if I had more time with my family, then we'd fight more. I'd probably get a divorce. It's like, So this is bad. So, that, so this just ends those conversations. Right, we don't like to look at people in the eye because if I look at you in the eye and you want something for me, we've got to do this transactional thing. But it's important that Peter and John actually saw the beggar, right? Actually looked at him. Then Peter said look at us so the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from them then Peter said silver or gold I have not I do not have but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth walk taking him by the right hand he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong he jumped to his feet he began to walk then he went with him into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God when all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called uh, Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to him in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Hundreds of times they'd pass this guy probably if they're regularly going to pray, and yet this time they saw him and they invited him to see them. And then God shows up. How's this happen? What happened here? Well, it's, it's probably important to know how Peter and John were trained. And I think this gets to part of how can we be a naturally supernatural person. One of the hallmark verses of the vineyard is, is John five nineteen. Jesus says, I only do the things I see the Father doing. One way to be a naturally supernatural person is just to have eyes to see what God's doing in the moment and then just leap into action. And lest we think God isn't working all that much, if you remember a few verses before John 5.19, I think it's John 5.17, it says, or Jesus says, my father is always at work. It's like God's always doing something. And then he invites us to see what he's doing in that moment. And for Peter and John, they actually knew that what God was doing in that moment was touching that beggar and was healing his legs in the moment. They also knew, and it's another way to be naturally supernatural. It's not only that God is always at work and we need to see what he's doing. They also knew like they had the power to actually do something. Earlier in Acts there's there's this word dunamis which just means power. It's like innate power. Um, And in Acts 1-8, Jesus had said, wait on my Holy Spirit and you will be given power to be my witnesses. And so they knew that because they had received the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit. And so one way you could say, oh man, I know I can live a naturally supernatural life, and particularly the supernatural part of it is because I've been filled with the Spirit. And because I've been filled with the Spirit, I've actually been given the power of God to exact change in this world and to help people. To see them transformed. Not only have you been given that kind of power, there's another word for power in the New Testament and and that word for power and that's the one that kind of shows up in like Luke 9 or Matthew 10 where Jesus like commissions his disciples to go out and preach and go to the poor and heal the sick and cast out demons. That word for power is like authoritative power. Like not only have you been given like the innate ability from the Holy Spirit, not you, but the Holy Spirit living in you to actually live a naturally supernatural life. But you've also been given the authority to use that power. So here's authoritative power. Think about this. Like, So uh, if a police officer is going to stand in a street and like stop a semi, when, when he or she goes like this, do they have the innate power to stop the semi? No. <laughs> They're going to get ran over, right? What's the power? The power is they have a uniform, they have a badge. Behind them stands the full power of the government and law and justice systems, right? And that's why people stop, because there's authority there. Well, Jesus has given his followers, like you and me, both. Like, through the Holy Spirit, we have, like, the power to actually do the things he calls us to do, but then he's also said... Like, you can do this. Like, I give you the authority. It's kind of like an ambassador. Ambassador is given an amount of authority to negotiate on behalf of the president. And Jesus is saying, I have given you the authoritative power, the authority to go do these things. So Peter and John knew how to do this because they had seen Jesus do it. They also knew in the moment that God was healing this man. And then they also knew they had the power, both the innate power from the Holy Spirit, but also the authoritative power to actually do something in the midst of this day. The result is obviously the guy is instantly healed. I mean, he walks, he leaps, he praises God. I mean, just think about that. Like, It's one thing to heal a guy's legs that he's been lame his whole life, but, like, there's a whole neurological thing going on here, right? Like, he actually has to know how to use it. It's like, for those of you who ever watched The Matrix, like, you got this download of, like, all of a sudden I know how to use my legs. I mean, it, there's so many creative miracles happening in that moment. He leaps, he praises God, and it says thousands come to know Jesus because as the crowd gathers to see what's going on, Peter and John share the gospel and the good news. Now, I've looked through the, the, the book of Acts, and it is hard to find, like, evangelism sharing faith that doesn't have this kind of naturally supernatural component it's not something hokey they didn't have to get the lights and the music right they didn't have to raise their voice it's just in the moment god was moving and in a very naturally supernatural way they just pray for the guy and god shows up and his life is changed people come to know jesus you can define power evangelism this way i think we have a slide that may have this definition Power evangelism is not just proclaiming your faith, it's demonstrating your faith. This is often done through spontaneous, spirit-inspired, empowered presentation through words of knowledge, prophetic words, healing prayers, or deliverance. It transcends the rational. So rational evangelism is certainly important and has its place, but we also need power evangelism where God shows up and touches people. So our question was, how can we learn to be naturally supernatural people? What would it look like to be a naturally supernatural people We can be a naturally supernatural people, particularly a naturally supernatural evangelistic people by just looking and leaping, looking at what God is doing and then leaping into action. I think Dan said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You actually just have to try, right? You just have to do it. So it's looking and leaping and doing it. In the 1200s, a Catholic priest went to visit the Pope. His name's Thomas Aquinas. He goes to visit the Pope, and the Pope is counting silver and gold. He has all this gold and all these coins. He's counting it. And and when Thomas walks in the room, he goes, Thomas, Thomas, no longer can the church say silver and gold. I have none. To which Thomas Aquinas replied, neither can the church say get up and walk. (laughs) Like we're called to actually live under the power of God. And to use his authority and use the power we've given by the Holy Spirit to actually pray for people and to see their lives change, to see them healed mentally, emotionally, physically, to see you know if they're under some kind of demonic oppression, to see them relieved from that. Like We're called to do that. We're called to be a naturally supernatural pr- uh, people. And the way we do that is we look and then we leap. I brought a video. I want to show a quick testimony and then we'll land this plane and and get on the worship but um I brought a video it's a it's a testimony of, of my daughter and I when we were at a college visit for her earlier this year and she just shares a, a testimony of a way she was naturally supernatural that she saw something and then she leapt into action so if we could show that video that would be great Hit me up and so she's gonna share a story and uh, this story makes me look bad, and so, but I still said, yeah, I think you need to share it. So why don't you go ahead. And t- this is going to be an illustration of what it looks like to be a naturally supernatural evangelistic person.
2: All right. Good morning, guys. So <laughs> a couple of months ago, I went on a college visit to Lee University, which is located in Cleveland, Tennessee. And so we stayed overnight at a hotel. And the next morning, we were eating breakfast. And I was just eating. And I look over, and the hotel receptionist was highlighted to me like I think the Lord was highlighting her and so I told my dad I was like I think we need to go and pray for this worker and he's like okay we'll go after breakfast we'll pray for her before we leave and so we go back up to the room we get our stuff we're just talking and we walk right by her without praying for her so we like open up the car doors I'm like wait dad we got to go and pray for the lady like we can't just walk off because by the time we get back the lady will probably be gone because her shift will be done and dad was like No, we got to get to the college visit on time, or we got to go get coffee. He was saying all these lame excuses. I was like, Dad, you can't chicken out. Like, we have to go and pray for this lady. So, after some nudging. Tell
1: him what you did when you told the story in Brazil. What'd you do?
2: I went, bok, 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 bok. He was a chicken. (laughs) And I had a translator with me, so she was like, bok, 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 bok. So, it was just like a bunch of balking back and forth. It was pretty cool. (laughs) Anyways, so after some nudging, we finally got dad come back in and so we just walk up to the lady and we just ask her the simple question like if God could do anything for you today what um, what would he do for or what would you like him to do and uh, she was like talking about how her daughter just went through a really bad divorce and it's just been really hard on her and her kids and as she was talking about it this lady like she comes out of the elevator she comes walking up and we pause and we're like oh you can check out it's okay And she was like, are you guys praying? And she was so excited. And she's like, I want to join in prayer. And it was, side note, it was super cool because she actually asked the lady if we could lay our hands on her, which I was like, oh, that's very vineyard. So I wonder if she goes to a vineyard church. But so we prayed for her. And just as we finished, we could just see how like filled with joy she was. And she was just sobbing. And you could just see, um, the joy on the businesswoman's face, like that, we would stop and pause and say, like, "Hey, can we pray for you?" Like it was just super cool how people just started gathering around and wanting to pray for her. And so, I would just encourage you guys, like, if you feel like the Lord is nudging you to pray for someone, like it could be a complete stranger at the grocery store, maybe even someone here today. I would encourage you to go and pray for that person because it could change their life. So,
1: Amen. Thank you, Amy. But pretty, yeah, yeah, she's way better at this than I am. Uh, I should have brought her. Um, I mean, so it's pretty simple, right? Like, there was nothing hokey, nothing over the top. It was just simply going up to somebody and asking. She was naturally supernatural by simply, at first, was reading breakfast, looking and having a thing like, I think we're supposed to pray for this lady. No reason why, she looks like a perfectly fine person, everything going well, she's doing little stuff at the desk. And yet, then the next step it was not only just looking and noticing, but then it was leaping into action. That's how you can be a naturally supernatural person. You know, the, you ask a question like, "Can I pray for you right now?" Or if God could do anything in your life, we were just you were just highlighted and just wonder if God could do anything in your life right now. What 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 would you want Him to do? And so much of this encapsulates the Vineyard DNA that you all are studying right now, because when we ask that kind of question, there's this sense of God actually could break in and do something right now. Like, you all have studied the kingdom of God, right? The already and not yet. Like, we have this belief that the next moment could be the moment where, like, God actually breaks in and touches a person's life. And so just asking the question, just noticing people, just getting into the conversation. It doesn't have to be strangers. That was strangers, right? It doesn't have to be strangers. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. It could be somebody who lives in your house right now, right? Like, it's just noticing people with the eyes of the Spirit. With, like Jesus said, I do the things I see the Father doing, and if you have a nudge, you just go and try. Isn't like the worst thing that could happen? Like you leave the person encouraged. Like the best thing that could happen is they actually get touched by God and something miraculous happens, whatever. You lead them to Jesus, whatever. Okay, that's probably a lower percentage that, that happens. So at the very least, they're going to know God is real, and God is, is, and people actually love them, and at the very least, they're going to be touched by God, maybe they don't see a miracle, at the very least, I bet you they're going to sense God's love and his presence. I was in Kansas City two days ago, and we we're eating breakfast, and there's a conversation happening, and I wasn't really part of it, I mean, I was a part, but I just didn't have much to add, and whatever, and all of a sudden, I just, this thought goes, you need to pray with the waitress, and... You need to ask her if she's making a decision right now that's pretty big and does she need wisdom. Okay, i will go do it. I'm going to look stupid, but I'm in Kansas City. Nobody will ever know. You know, that kind of thing. And so I just get up. She's busting a table off the side, and I don't know what I'm going to All I know that I'm going to say is just what I just told you. And as I begin to talk to her, like more starts coming. And it's not like audible voice of God. It's just, it's just a nudge just a sense, just an impression, and I'm backing in, I mean, for goodness sakes, don't, you know, the unnatural supernatural be like, thus saith the Lord, and you're going to change your void, no, I'm just like, you know, I just, I did this, you know, I don't know if it was the smoked salmon omelet, or if this is the Lord, but, you know, here's what I'm sensing, and I just launch it in, and I could just tell by her face that it was on, she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm making a decision about, and she kind got lowered her voice, I'm making a decision about my job right now. Blah, blah, blah. Can I pray for you right now? Yeah. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah. I mean, lightning bolts didn't have nothing. And, but a young lady like knows God cares about her future and, knows, and cares about a decision that at probably 22 or 23 is a pretty heavy decision for her. We can be a naturally supernatural evangelistic people just by looking and leaping and using questions like, can I pray for you right now? So how do we apply this to our life? How do we actually live this out? Well, this week, I would just ask you to practice it. Like when you leave here, if you go to the store, like do it. Like I have a friend, my, my son's father-in-law, super introverted person, you know, super introverted. And yet, like 10 years ago, we, we had a speaker come in or something. And he taught on something in this realm. Like, he made it a spiritual discipline. Like, I read my Bible every day in journal. He, like, every day prays for somebody. And he's not that guy. He's not the guy that comes into the room, lights it He's not the guy that naturally, but like, he will stop at the gas station, even if he doesn't need gas. Because, well, I'll, I'll get a donut. I'll pray for the clerk. And he's made it a discipline. And I got to tell you. He sees a whole lot more people touched by God than I do because <laughs> he's like, put it into practice. So what if you just left here and you go into the restaurant and you say, okay, God, I usually pray some, you know, prayer. Sometimes it's perfunctory, but I pray some prayer before my meal. And what if I just told the waitress to livers of food? I just said, hey, we usually pray for our food, you know, before we eat it. Could we pray for you? Like, if God could do anything for your life right now, what would you want him to do? Like, that's easy. It's no big deal. And you never know, God might give you some words for that person or just the fact of praying for them, they'll be touched by God. That's very naturally supernatural. So this week, like, look for that. Look for the need. Ask and look and leap into action. Second, you know, like each Sunday, including this Sunday, we can we can practice that. Like, you guys end with a ministry time, I know. Well, that's what we're doing here. We're just acting in naturally supernatural ways, expecting the Lord to show up, and we pray for one another and then people are encouraged or they're touched or they're healed or they're delivered or they're given a prophetic word that just really hits home. And, and, and you can practice this each and every Sunday. You can practice it in your small groups. I'm, I'm going to invite the, the worship team up to lead us. So worship team, come on up. And uh, as they get ready, I, I just want to like want to give you some imagination of what would it look like to live this out. Like what if the people in this room just live this kind of thing out in Muhammad or the surrounding areas? Well, let me tell you a few things that would probably happen. (laughs) One is, you know, think of just if each of us touched one life in a week and did this kind of thing, man, like double the people in this room would actually be touched by God if we actually did this. That would be exciting, right? Like we could actually see people's lives touched and transformed, which would be phenomenal. I'll tell you another thing that would happen and this is going to be a confession. Like, sometimes I can look at church as like the high point of my week, and then, like, I hope I make it. <laughs> you ever do that? Like, I'm going to get filled. I'm going to, worship's going to be great. Daniel is going to give a great message. I'm going to feel good about myself when I leave, you know, whatever. I'm going to be close to Jesus. And then it's like, oh, Monday. <laughs> you know? Then all the kids, and then all uh, the bills, and then whatever, you know? And then it's like Saturday, like, I can't wait till tomorrow because I got, to. How you get filled, right? What if we flip that on your head? Like, if we actually live this out and we actually just looked for what God was doing in our everyday life and reacted and acted in naturally supernatural ways, we prayed for people, we did the works of Jesus, we saw people get healed, we saw people get encouraged, we saw, like, a prophetic encouraging word really land on somebody we know or maybe even a stranger that we pray for. Like, if we would begin to do this stuff during the week, I think actually... Sunday would be the high point of the week, but in a different way, instead of like the beginning that we eke down this way, I, I think like we would do the works of Jesus all week and then we would come in here with like incredible things to celebrate. Like instead of worship being the thing, I got to get filled so I make it, which we need that from time to time, I'm not take it away from that. I think like actually we'd enter this time that we're about to enter into full of excitement and joy, like, God, you're so good. Like, you did this and you did that this week. I saw this life change. I helped feed the poor. I prayed for this. We would begin to, and we would come and say, I just got to worship you for all the works you did through me, through my small group, through my family this week. See how that would change things if we actually just lived this out? Would you just stand, and we're going to worship the Lord. So, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you allow us to play. As somebody shouted, everybody gets to play. I thank you for that. And I thank you, like, we're part of a church family that you, you don't have to be exceptionally skilled or you don't have to have the right look or the right suit or the right voice or the right personality, the right Myers-Briggs or Enneagram. Like, everybody gets to play, and we can all Like, do it in a naturally supernatural way and see you show up. And over time, we believe our town can be changed and transformed. We come to worship you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org lifevineyard.org.